2: My next guest approached me online to be a part of the podcast, and I can truly see why he did. When you come across people like this guy, you wish there were more of them in the world. Joel Hallbaker is a real-life leader, professional speaker, author, award-winning teacher, coach, husband, and father. He lives in Alabama, USA, with his wife, Marilyn, two daughters, and two rescue dogs. Joel has spent his life navigating blended family life as someone who was used to four parents and two homes, and now helps others to find their way when they struggle as a step-parent. After we discussed his strategies around coaching and family life and courageous humility, it became clear that the central theme of kindness shone through. Joel is one of the kindest, most generous, big-hearted people I've come across in a while and left a mark on me. I hope you gain the same inspiration from our conversation. Welcome, Joel, to The Ethical Evolution.
1: Thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm glad to talk with you today.
2: Now, Joel, can you tell us a bit about your background and who you are and what
1: you do? Certainly. Uh, so, I live here in Alabama, in the southeastern part of the United States, and I am, uh, by day, I'm a high school teacher and uh, soccer coach. And I've been doing that for the better part of 14 years now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in addition to those things, I also am a professional speaker and an author and a blended family coach. Uh, So I come from a divorced home. My parents divorced when I was about uh, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And about a year later, my mom started dating my stepdad. And then as an adult, um, I am divorced and remarried. I went through divorce in my late 20s. I've got two daughters from my first marriage. Uh, That was, was about a decade ago. And I've now been remarried for about five and a half years. Um, My daughter's mom is also remarried. She's been remarried for about six years, and they live uh, about a mile and a half down the road. We live in a small town of less than 30,000 people. So everybody knows everybody. And you know, I'm very thankful that we work hard to get along well together and try to raise our girls well together. And so I try to help other people do something similar, try to help them improve their blended or step family lives. And, uh, And so that's a lot of what I talk about. I also speak a lot on leadership. Mm-hmm. To uh, again, corporate audiences, uh, high school audiences, colleges, uh, conferences, whatever it may be. So those are those are the things that I love to do because they all touch on some of my passions. Again, I'm I'm an educator by trade, so I love to speak from the stage and teach from the stage as well. Uh, blended family life is also very personal to me, obviously, and so those are the things that I really love to. Uh, I love to be involved in in a lot of different capacities.
2: Yeah, so the the blended family life. I mean, um, mm-hmm. nowadays there's so many families that have either gone through divorce or are going through it, or or some kind of challenge that's really upsetting the family family life. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was it for you that that made you go down that path and actually try to change um, the perceptions of, and and make a blended family work better?
1: Well, you kind of touched on it. There are just so many. Mm. And unfortunately, it's easy to find bad examples of how to have a blended family. Mm. Um, it's easy to look at culture or it's easy to look at, um, you know, movies and television and see people who um, are not married but are trying to raise kids together and they are. Uh, not doing a great job of it, mostly because they're angry with each other. Yeah, And, um, and unfortunately, there's a, it's a lot harder to find good examples. Mm. And so I, what I wanted to do was um, I feel very blessed because my parents set a great example yeah. Uh, my mom and my dad divorced, like I said, when I was about thirteen or fourteen and they got along great. We lived with mom, but dad came and picked us up for school every day, so we saw him all the time. They came to our sporting events, they came to my choir concerts and my drama performances and graduation and, and they did these things for my brother, my my sister, and myself. And there was never any problem. And my when my stepdad, you know, when he entered the picture, he became part of the picture and just slid in without causing problems with my dad um, without causing problems with my mom and I, I remember having Thanksgivings in high school I recently actually published a blog post about this uh, for a, another website that's also involved with it's called encouraging dads and it's all about helping helping dads and the blog post was about the bizarre Thanksgivings we used to have because you'd have my brother and my sister and me and then mom and dad and my stepdad and my stepdad's <laughs> dad and my mom's mom all around the kitchen you know the kitchen table together for Thanksgiving. And uh, that's not, I didn't realize that was weird until I got to college and started telling people that story. And they kind of look at me and go, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And so I thought, wow, so I've been really blessed with a great example. And so I've tried to live up to that when I went through my own divorce and and afterward, um, you know, nobody gets married with the intention of getting divorced. Mm. I totally understand that. And we didn't either, but life happens, unfortunately. And so the, the, the goal then is when life happens to do the best with it that you can. Uh, when life, you know, again, I don't know, um, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with the American game of baseball. Maybe it's, maybe it's popular there or not, but when life throws you a curveball, you do the best with it that you can. You know what I mean? And, um, and so that's what you do. And so I want to help other people do that really well. And I've learned a lot from sharing that message. I've learned a lot from living it. I've learned a lot from coaching other people who are going through difficult times. Uh, And so I love to see, improvement in people's lives, whether it's kids in my classroom or blended families in our communities, I love to see the improvement because it's never going to be perfect. I'd love to say that my ex-wife and I agree on everything and our spouses agree on everything and it's never anything but sunshines and daisies and it's perfect. <laughs> that's not the case. If that were the case, we'd probably still be married, right? Otherwise, yeah. we, you know what I mean? We would have gotten divorced, but it is way better than what it was a decade ago.
2: Yeah. And, and that's
1: what we're looking for. We can improve a little bit every day. Mm. And we're doing good.
2: And I think um, you know, for for couples that are going through divorce, or even you know the kids, there's a lot of fear mm-hmm. um, on, yep. on the unknown that's ahead. And yep. and obviously you're, you're hanging on to the past, and and you're trying mm. to get beyond that. And it can be very difficult to let those things go. And it, and it does come back to the, this central theme I keep stumbling across, which is hurt people hurt people. And I yes. think if you know, you can get beyond that and actually see yep. that we're all human and we're all here to support each other and love each other um, regardless of who we're married to, divorced to or whatever. Right. Um, yep. and, and like your big blanded family there at your Thanksgiving um, just <laughs> just worked seamlessly. So, you know, yeah. I think if we can get beyond that, that, that's surely got to help.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're right. I love that theme that you mentioned that hurt people hurt people. Mm. And so what that means is we need to be trying to help people learn how to move beyond the hurt mm. and also just not parent out of it yeah. um, or not react out of it. And again, that's obviously easier said than yes. done. I get a lot of people that I've done a lot of interviews about this and, and people always say, yeah, but don't you get, d- does that make people angry? Yes, it does. (laughs) Well, and I actually had one lady, I had her say, I I gave this presentation at a a local civic group a few months ago and I got done and lady in the crowd raised her hand. And she said, "Um, I just have one question. I said, sure. What's up? She went, well, how do you, how do you talk about this with people and not get punched in the face? (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like my daughter's divorced. And if I were to say to her what you just said to us, she'd probably get pretty upset. Mm. And I said, I totally understand that. That's fair because what people are thinking when I share these principles with them is, well, you don't know what they did to me and you don't know how badly I'm Mm. hurting. And and what I tell them is you're correct. You're right. I don't know your whole story. I don't know how badly you're hurting. I don't know what they did to you. What I do know is as long as that is your default, you're going to keep getting what you're doing. You're going to mm-hmm. keep getting the same response that you're getting from them until you're willing to try something different. It's not going to change. And mm-hmm. so what I want to do is, one, I always try to start with empathy. As you're correct. I don't know what you're feeling, but I do know similar to how you're feeling because I've been through divorce. divorce. Yep. I've been through a divorce with kids. It wasn't fun. I've been through divorce as a kid and with kids. Yeah. Neither one was fun. <laughs> so I know where you're coming from, at least some, right? So I'm not trying to talk down to you. Okay, so that's the first thing, starting with empathy. And then the second thing is, instead of saying what you're doing is wrong, what I want to do is instead I want to invite people to come along on a journey of at least exploring other ways of doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very big difference. The, the end result, hopefully, is the same, and that is to guide people in a new direction. But it's the difference between someone coming to you and saying, that's stupid, why would you do that? Or coming to you and saying, I understand why you're feeling the way you do. But if you're not happy with the results you're getting, I would like to invite you to try things differently. Let's look at it a different way and approach it differently, and let's see if that doesn't get you more of the results that you're looking for. Mm. So the end result is the same. is to try to change someone's trajectory, but the way we get there is very different. One is based on um, sort of superiority and, and talking down to people, which never goes well. The other one is based on empathy and compassion and an invitation to change. Mm-hmm. And I find that that works much better and gets me punched in the face less often, which is good.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's handy. Um, that's right. Now, I'm I'm curious when you were just talking there, um, I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what your wife thinks of your big family unit situation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, my wife is a saint and not just because she puts up with me. Um, I'm actually, here's the thing is I talk about blended families a lot, but, and I say this on almost every interview I'm on, what we have would not be possible without the cooperation of all four parents. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be possible. I couldn't do this if it were just me. I couldn't do this without my wife. I couldn't do it without my ex-wife and her husband. Mm -hmm. And so I have to make sure that I give them credit as well because we could not do this without all four parents and however many, like 74 grandparents, however many there are now, wow. you know, <laughs> helping. Us. It's not actually 74, but it feels like <laughs> that sometimes. It's, it, but you're, it's a, like you said, it's a big family unit. Mm. And, uh, and so my wife is, uh, she's a key part of it mm. because she knows that a large part of our lives is going to be coordinating with my ex-wife and her husband. Yeah. And so the other thing that I say on a lot of interviews is step parenting is not a gig I would have signed up for. No I and I don't say that to be hypocritical. I say that to be honest. I'm a biological parent. I'm not a step parent. God yeah. bless you, step parents. I couldn't do it. Mm. Sometimes I barely have patience with the kids that I helped, <laughs> you know, create. Somebody else's kids? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just saying, probably not. Yeah. And, but my wife does, mm. and their stepdad does, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, I, I feel like my wife has done uh, tremendous work in the past seven years that we've been together, even before we got married, reaching out to my ex-wife and my ex-wife has responded really well a lot of the time mm. and being willing to work with And Now it's, I would argue it's harder for them because our kids are, are girls. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so for the mom stepmom relationship, that mm. puts a different spin on it. If, it does. Actually, if someone, I never thought about this until I was actually giving a blended family presentation at this giant conference in Florida a couple of years ago. And I'd gotten through most of the the presentation, and someone was asking a question in the Q&A at the end, and they said, do you think this would have been harder for you if your kids, your biological kids, had been sons? Mm. And I thought, ooh, that's a real – and I thought for about four seconds, I thought, yes, yes, it would have, because I think I would have felt more threatened by the stepdad. Mm. Because sons, right? And so what that means is, on the other side of the coin, that means that I can understand why my ex-wife – would be more susceptible to feeling threatened by my wife.
2: Absolutely, and that really, makes total
1: sense. Now, I never yeah. would have thought about it, and so d- I'm really glad that g- it was actually a guy that asked that question. I thought that's yeah, oh well wow. done. I wish I'd come up with that myself. Thank you.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, to think of it, you know, as a daughter, um, mm-hmm. you know, you. You have a special bond with your mother as, as would a son mm-hmm. with father, you know, and, and it's just a, a, a g- gender genetic that's kind right. of thing. It's just a
1: gender thing. It just is that way. And
2: so, yeah, that, that does change the, the whole yeah. that's schema right. of and things. And so what
1: that's meant for us is that my wife has to make sure that she, and again, this is why she's part of why she's a saint. She walks a, um, a very fine line sometimes between wanting to be a wonderful mother figure mm. without ever making either my girls or their mom feel like she's trying to be their mother Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that makes sense yep be a mother figure without threatening the mother person yeah and so she and again I I think she's done that brilliantly and I don't say that just because she's my wife she's not even here to hear me say this (laughs) um a lot of times when I'm doing podcast interviews she's sitting on the couch and it's a lot of fun to get to brag on her where she can hear me (laughs) she's not even here right now um but I'm telling you, like it's wonderful to watch her do that because I've learned a lot from watching her be a step-parent. Mm. Because again, I've, I've never been that. I don't know what it's like. I can tell you that it's really hard. Yeah, It's really hard. Because And here's what I've learned from her and from other step-parents. To be a step-parent is to have all the responsibility of a biological parent, mm. right? You wash the clothes, you make the lunches, you drive to the sporting events, you take kids to school, you pick them up, you do the bedtimes, you help with the homework, all the parenting things. You do all of it. Mm. And you get zero guarantees. Yep. There's no guaranteed affection. There's no guaranteed love. There's no guaranteed loyalty. There's no guaranteed respect. There's no guaranteed obedience. You were you are getting all of the crap mm-hmm. and none of the guaranteed good. Yep. And that's what you signed up for. And yeah. God bless you because, oh, my goodness, it's got to be hard. And that's yeah. why I say I wouldn't have signed up for it. Takes
2: so everyone who person. has,
1: like, you, you really, you have my respect. And, I, and that's why I'm here is because I'd love to help you learn how to Continue making your situation even better because I've learned about it from watching my wife, from watching my girl's stepdad, uh, you know, and from and from learning from other people. Um, again, I'm really thankful because we've had the opportunity to do some pretty great things together uh, multiple times. My wife and my ex-wife have planned our daughter's birthday parties together. Oh, cool! Right? They yeah, they've decorated cakes together. They've gone Christmas shopping together, and again. I w- I'm not going to try to make it sound like they're best friends. In fact, they get along a lot better when I'm not in the same room. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what that says. I don't, I don't really want to talk about it because it can not be good, but whatever. Um, but honestly, like, they both have done a really good job of trying to reach out to the other person. I just want to mm. give a couple of examples. I mentioned they've gone, um, they've gone shopping together a few times to buy the girls Christmas presents, especially when they were younger. Uh, this past year, our younger daughter decided to play volleyball for the first time. And one of the parents on the team was going to make everybody t-shirts with the kid's number and the kid's name on the back of a shirt for the mom, mm-hmm. right? So you could wear your shirt to the game and share on your kid. Well, my ex-wife, without telling us, also bought one of those shirts for my wife. Oh. She said, I know you love to come to the games. I know you love to support our daughter. And so I wanted you to have one of these shirts too. Yeah. Well, that, we had no idea she was going to do that. We didn't even know those shirts were a thing until she said, hey, we have this t-shirt for you. Oh, that's, that's tremendous. Mm. Right. And and it's because of years of those two working hard to try to be Mm. good parents together, to try to, to try to cooperate and collaborate and raise these kids well together. And it hasn't always been easy. And there have been some hurt feelings on each side, but in general, it's been a mostly upward trajectory. Mm. And we're really thankful for that. A couple of years ago, my girl's stepdad and I coached our younger daughters, soccer and basketball teams together. Because I was a, I was a soccer player. He was a, a basketball player and a golfer when he was younger. So during soccer season, I was the head coach. And he came to me and said, hey, would you mind if I helped you? I don't know anything about the game, but I'd be glad to help. I said, that'd be perfect. It's like herding cats when they're this age anyway. Because she was 8 or 10 or something. You know? yeah. And and I said, I would love for you to. Because if you want to be more involved in our kid's life, I I want to encourage that. That's a good thing. Because I believe he's a good man with a good heart. Otherwise, I wouldn't encourage him to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, If he wants to be more involved in our kids' lives, yes, please do that. And so we got to coach soccer together. And then during basketball season, he's a much, much more knowledgeable basketball person than I am. Mm. And so I helped him coach basketball. He was the head coach and I was his assistant. And it was really great because one day a kid came up to us at practice and or actually came up to my daughter and said, Now, which one is your dad and which one's your stepdad? (laughs) And and it's kind of funny because we think, well, that should have been obvious because (laughs) I am you can't tell I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm sure your listeners are much better with the metric standard translations than I am. I am only five foot, three and a half inches tall. Oh, you're short. Okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm not real far outside of Hobbit height, like <laughs> legit, I'm not real big. Their stepdad is about six feet tall. Oh, okay. Mm. So you'd have thought with my daughter being a tiny human, the other kid on her team would have known the short, not skinny one, that's her dad. Yeah. But he didn't. And that's okay. <laughs> but it was great because it also meant that both of us, treated my daughter in a way that their teammate can tell which one of us is biological, which one's not. That's beautiful. Yeah. That says a lot about their about her stepdad, right? Mm. Because it means he's treating her really well. And so I was really thankful to get to do those things. And I shared these stories on another podcast not long ago. And the hostess, it was a, it was a married couple. They were co-hosting mm. Mm. and the, the mom looked at me. She looked, she said, I kind of hate you right now because <laughs> <laughs> they're part of a blended family. I said, it's okay. I understand that. I would hate me too. It's all right. <laughs> But that's my goal is to help other blended families have that kind of situation. And it, it can't be done if it's just one of you trying. Mm. But here's the good news. It has to start with one of you trying. Yes. It can't ever just be one of you doing it. But it's never going to happen if nobody's trying. Mm-hmm. If you just say, well, if, if they're not trying, I'm not trying. Well, great. Then nobody's ever going to do it. Yeah. But if you will start, hopefully someone will come along with you. Hopefully your spouse and then hopefully your ex and their spouse or whatever it may be. But someone's got to start.
2: Absolutely. And so that's what I
1: want to encourage people with is if you will start, now we've at least got a chance. Mm.
2: And and you know, um when you were talking about your wife and also, you know, how um your ex-wife and the stepfather also get mm-hmm. involved equally. Um there's mm-hmm. and, and this is something you also talk about a lot is courageous humility. And yes, ma'am. I think that takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there and yeah. to <laughs> try and engage with someone who you know, um, who used to be married to your current husband um, and you're like, uh, okay, I'm going to put myself out there (laughs) and you've got no guarantees, like you say. And, you know, when everybody gets in there and has a go and has the courage to make the change, Mm -hmm. look at what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So the thing is, I think humility may be the least understood or the most misunderstood word in the English language. Uh, A lot of people think humility means pretending that you're not good at something or deflecting attention when you know that you deserve it. Mm. Right. So so a lot of people think humility is someone who's obviously very gifted going, oh, no, I'm you know, it's just mostly luck. And no, that's not what humility is. C.S. Lewis tells us that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less often. Yes. That's all it is. It's putting other people first, right? Mm. So courageous humility is the idea of putting other people first and doing so in a way that leaves you vulnerable. Mm. That's why it takes courage. It takes a willingness, as you just very well said, to put yourself out there with people that it makes you uncomfortable to put yourself out there with and with good reason, Anyone who's been through a divorce, you have good reason to be afraid to put yourself out there with that same person again. Mm. Now you're doing it in a different way, but you've already been hurt once. Why would you do that again? Well, the answer is children. Mm. That's why you've got that's mm. why you've got to have the courage to do that. Because so when I when I teach people about blended family life, we talk a lot about courageous humility because it takes a certain amount of willingness to do hard things, and it takes courage to do those hard things, knowing that. There's a good chance they're going to blow up in your face, mm. and early on, I can almost guarantee they're going to blow up in your face. So you've got to have the courage to do it again and again and again until you start making progress. Yeah. It's not fun, but but it's good. And so, you know, the the two principles that I teach take a lot of courage. One of them is to be the kid you want your kids to become or be the adult you want your kids to become, mm. right? Be the adult you want your kids to become. It takes courage because it means if I expect my kids to be uh, responsible and I expect them to be uh, respectful and I expect them to be courageous and I expect them to be uh, have, to have integrity, Like I need to model those things. Absolutely. And that's not easy to do, especially when I've got all this hurt left over from a divorce.
2: Mm.
1: Right. So the first one is to be the adult you want your kids to become. And the second one is to remember the golden rule. Everybody from the time your little kid has been taught, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Yep. At, when we become adults, it's like we've forgotten that. Absolutely. So in, so instead, like you look at social media, you look at the news from around the world, and instead of treating people the way we want to be treated, we treat we treat people the way we think they deserve based mm. on our perception of them. mm and that's terrible. Yeah, Most of the time, that's terrible. I mean, I can always think of a reason why someone deserves for me to be a jerk to them. Mm. It takes a lot more courage to be kind to someone mm. who's already been harsh with me.
2: Yes. It
1: takes a lot of humility to put the needs of my kids in front of my own desires, which is to be a jerk or to just act out of my hurt or whatever it may be. Mm. And so, again, when I when I share this with people, it is not easy and it's not always fun. I can't promise that it's going to be smooth sailing. I can promise that it will be worth it in the long run if you will stick with it. Mm. So that's what, that's what I try to inspire people to do.
2: Now, um, I was saying to you before that you're, you're a busy man. Um, mm-hmm. You've got a lot going on <laughs> and um, you're really making an impact. Um, what is your mission with all that you've got going on?
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, I do. I try to stay busy. I enjoy being busy. Um, I don't really know how to do free time terribly well, <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> which, is, which is okay. I think that's true of a lot of entrepreneurs and, yeah. and people like that's why we do some of this is because free time. Like what? No, I need to be doing something.
0: Mm. Um,
1: my mission is to is to help people. I know that sounds very cheesy or very vague, but my goal is to help, uh, help other people become better versions of themselves. That's actually how I define leadership in the book that I wrote. Uh, leadership is the art of positively influencing other people to help them become better versions of themselves. So whether that's in a blended family situation or on a soccer team that I'm coaching or in uh, my classroom where I teach or a blended family conference or a corporate group who is having managerial issues or whatever, a leadership conference or a college uh, honors society, whatever it is, my goal is to help you become better tomorrow than you were today. And if we just get a little bit better every day, then in the long run, that's going to make a tremendous difference. If, If I can help high school students who are utterly unconcerned about my class at least become better people. Mm. I don't care about their grades. I genuinely do not care if kids pass or fail my class. I want them to learn the history because it matters. Mm. That's what I majored in. I love history. I tell a lot of history stories in my (laughs) speaking. I love this stuff. But ultimately nobody cares about your grades. When, Mm. When you're, I'm 37 years old. Nobody's asked me about my high school report cards in many years. So right. well, what I want is I want, yeah, what I want is I want you to, I want you to become a better person for having been in my classroom. I want mm. you to be nice to someone tomorrow that you weren't nice to today, because in my classroom, you learned it's better to be nice than to continue being a jerk. Mm. That's what I want, because that's what's going to matter.
2: With that in mind, as a teacher, would, do you wish the curriculum would change to be more about um, being a better human?
1: Yes, I do. In fact, one of the things I teach in my world history classes is I teach a lot about the idea of Renaissance humanism. Mm. This idea that the reason we study is not to get a job. That's a very industrial revolution, post-industrial revolution mindset, right? The reason you go to school is so you can go to college and get a good education and get a good job so you can have a nice life and retire. That's a very post-industrial mindset. Mm. That's not what education was intended to be when formalized education really first started again in the renaissance it was only like the top 10 or 15 percent of society that was getting educated anyway but their goal had nothing to do with getting a job they were already at the top the purpose of education and even this is true if you go all the way back to the ancient world the purpose of studying the purpose of learning philosophy and literature and art and rhetoric and music was to make you a more well-rounded mm. person a more reasoning person yeah. and that's what i think education should be about mm. um And so I teach a lot of that in my history classes. Listen, I don't care what your grades are. If you're still the same arrogant, snarky, ignorant kid you were in December that you were when you came in in August, I have failed. Yeah, I don't care what your grade is. If you got a 100 on everything, one, I failed because that was too easy. Nobody gets 100 (laughs) on everything in my class. Not at all. I I have the reputation of being the really hard teacher in the history department. And that's fine with me. I love that. Great. Um, But the point is, I need you to become a better person. Mm. And if you're not doing that, then I need to structure my class differently, hang the grades. I'm not concerned about that. And and so I have to explain that to parents every year at the the parent-teacher conferences. I have to make sure I tell them, listen, I really don't care about your kid's grades. And and a lot of parents, their eyes get real big. What do you mean? I'm like, I want your kid to become a better kid. Mm. That's what I want. And history is the medium by which we become a better kid. Mm. Soccer is the medium by which you become a better kid. It's not like I love winning soccer games. I've I've been blessed. We've had a lot of success on the teams I've coached because I've been blessed with a lot of talent and that's been great. 10 years from now, nobody's going to care. Five years from now, nobody's going to care. In fact, this last season, last spring, that was my last season coaching soccer at the school where I currently teach. I I resigned from coaching because my kids go to a different school and I want to watch them play. Yeah. So Nobody cares about how many soccer games my team's won in the past. I'm not the coach anymore. Yeah. What I love is the kids that I coached, they will still come back and they'll say hi because we had a good relationship. The kids that I coach, I love keeping up with them on social media to watch what they're doing and how they're making a difference in college. That's what I enjoy. It has nothing to do with the games that we won, it has everything to do with the people that they are becoming now that they're growing up. That's what I love.
2: Yeah. So you've seen the difference in them because of the
1: way you've structured things? Well, I, I, that, that sounds kind of prideful. I don't necessarily want to say that, but what I have been thankful for is to see that they are different people having been in my soccer program. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't take credit for it. I, I credit them and their parents and their teammates. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of kids that come into the program and they really want to win because we've had a good program. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to do more than just win. If the only thing I taught you is how to be a better soccer player, we missed the boat. Yeah. Uh, so I had one girl, let me, let me give this example. Um, she graduated two years ago and she played for me for four years and we had a lot of success. I mean, we went to two state championship games and won a ton of games and a couple conference titles and, and she was a starter in probably every game for four years. Excellent, excellent player. She emailed me earlier this semester. She's a sophomore in college now. She's studying something, physical therapy, medicine, I forget what, something yucky biology <laughs> that I would have no interest in. Um, but she's having to take a class in management. And like sports leadership management. And she emailed me because she had to read a couple of uh, summaries of leadership principles by Sir Alex Ferguson, former Manchester United manager. And it was funny because what she did, she emailed me what she had to read. And she said, Coach, I've been hearing this for four years. Everything that you taught us, like I was reading this and I thought, oh, Coach Hallbaker did that. Coach Hallbaker did that. Coach Hallbaker did that. And now I see why, because Mm -hmm. it works. And I thought, oh, praise the Lord, because she didn't necessarily learn that from me, but she recognized that that's where she had first heard it. Maybe mm. she did learn it from me. I don't know. But first of all, anytime someone compares any soccer coach with Alex Ferguson, that's high praise. Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now, yeah. I would never do that because he and I live in different universes when it comes to coaching soccer. But I'm telling you, for, for her to even mm. say the leadership principles that he wrote about, I learned from playing in your program that hit me that hit me in the heart that made me feel really good because it meant that I was trying to do something right whether it actually came through or not I was trying to get her to see life's about a lot more than just winning soccer games Mm. so that was a really cool very encouraging email to get from her it made me very very thankful
2: it's amazing very rewarding so um speaking about results can you tell us about some of the people that you've helped and the the difference that it's
1: made absolutely yeah I've got a couple of examples that come to mind just because they've been recent um there's a gentleman that I spoke with about a month and a half ago. He contacted me through a mutual acquaintance. His cousin is a a guy that I've met through some of my blended family work. And so this gentleman um, and I talked on the phone one day for about an hour and he explained to me kind of his situation. Um, He is uh, divorced and remarried. He's got two kids from his first divorce or from his first marriage. And he's got another kid with the lady he's with. And she has, she's also divorced and remarried and has a son from her first relationship. Wow. So, and this first guy, his first wife also has remarried and has another child with her second husband. Okay. Well, what was okay? So everybody's still tracking. I'm catching um, up. <laughs> when he called me, he, this gentleman and his current wife, were thinking of splitting up. Oh. At the same time, his ex-wife and her husband are going through a divorce. Oh. Now, his kids from his first marriage are twenty and fifteen. Right? I've got a fifteen-year-old daughter. I can't imagine what it would do to her to watch both her parents divorce for a second time at the Mm. same time from different people. And I've got siblings from that relationship. Wow. So that's, that's when he called me. Yeah. So we, we talked on the phone for about an hour. He explained to me kind of what was going on. I asked him a lot of questions and I started with the same principles that I talked about, right? I said, okay, so what do we want to do? We want, we want you to model the kind of behavior that you want your kids to show. And so that means fighting for this relationship right now. That's what it means. And it means that, and some of the issues that he and his current wife were having were just big trust issues. Mm. And so, okay, so you need to demonstrate to your wife that you are trustworthy. And that doesn't mean like go buy her a new car. It doesn't mean uh, buy her a bunch of flowers and jewelry. That's not what I mean by demonstrate. What I mean by that is show that you are trustworthy on a day-to-day basis by your actions. So for example, if, and this is something he told me, if part of the reason she has trust issues with you is because of females who contact you via social media on your phone then you need to do two things. One, delete those people or block them on your social media. And two, give her all the passwords to everything on your phone. Mm. And he kind of got real quiet for a minute. And I said, if you don't have anything to hide, then what are you worried about? Mm. So if you want to demonstrate that you're going to be trustworthy moving forward, do these two things and do this every day. Just do that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really, and then I said, Oh, what about privacy? And that's all fine and good. But if you're having trust issues, the way that you get past that is be trustworthy and show that you're trustworthy. And it's, again, I, I've been on both sides of that. I've been in relationships where I wasn't trustworthy and I've mm-hmm. been in relationships where my partner wasn't trustworthy. And the only way to, to get past that is to become that. Mm-hmm. And that's not fun to have to share. I'm not proud of the mistakes I've made in my past. But I do think it's important for other people to know, again, I'm not talking down to anybody. I've also made some of those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, here's how you get past it. So like my my wife and I, we have a rule. Anytime you want to pick up my phone, 100% of the time, do it anytime you want to. You mm-hmm. can look at anything on my social media. You can look at my email. You can pick up my phone night or day, 100% of the time, go ahead right now. We don't normally do that. I can't remember the last time. I don't know if she's ever done that in the whole time we've been married, but the fact that she could says a lot because it means that I don't have anything to hide. Mm. And she knows, that it, she knows that if she were to come to me and say, let me see your phone, here you go, baby, take a look. And I think that's something, this is a, a brief side note. I think parents need to do that with their kids as well. If you say to your kid, let me see your phone and they have to unlock it for you, you're already behind because that means they're hiding things from you. Yeah, I'm a high school teacher. I see it every day. You can think that, well, my kids wouldn't do that. Fine. I respectfully disagree. Mm. Every kid will do that. Absolutely. Remember when you were a teenager, what you got away with? Mm. Multiply that times electronics and social media and, and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So now that I've terrified everybody, back to the main <laughs> point. So I talked with this guy about this, right? And I said, just do these things and then I'll check up with you in a couple of days and, and we'll see how it's going. Mm-hmm. But okay, so I checked in with him about a week later. He said, Hey, thanks for checking in. It's going pretty well right now. I did what you said, and um, she was really kind of surprised by it. I said, Okay, good. Well, that's a good thing. Well, let me know how it's going. You know, contact me again if you got any other questions, whatever. I contacted him again about three weeks later. I said, How's it going? He said, Man, it's like a different world. Wow. We're on vacation right now. We're down in Florida. We're having a great time. Things are going much better. We're not talking divorce anymore. Um, and, and things feel pretty good. I said, well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad. Thank you for letting me know. I'm really glad to hear things are going well. You know how to get in touch with me if you need me. And I'm really, I was thankful to hear that because again, it, it sounds too simple. Mm. But the thing is, if, if I asked him on the phone, I asked one big question, says, what is the largest single problem that you're dealing with? Because I can't fix everything
0: mm.
1: and nobody can fix everything. But if we can start with one problem, we know we can make a difference in. That's a good place to start. Mm. So, what's the big problem you're having? He said, "I don't trust her. She doesn't trust me." I said, "Okay, if you will both agree to do this thing with your cell phones, that's a big start." Yeah, (laughs) because our phones are so much a part of our lives. That's a big start. And and I was really thankful to hear that things were going better. That's the first one. The other one was about a week ago. A lady called me. She is divorced and now dating someone. And between the two of them, they have six or seven kids. Yep. oldest is in college. Youngest is in diapers. Right. Um, oldest is hers. Youngest is his from a previous relationship. Right. And she said, everything is great except for the youngest. Cause the youngest is actually almost three, but still wearing diapers. Mm. And a lot of the problem we have is that his ex just isn't really parenting the kid a whole lot mm. when, and the kid goes back and forth like every two or three days. And so we have him for three days and we do pretty well and then we don't have him for two days and things go to crap and then we get him back mm. in two days and then things aren't going. I said, okay. So if the biggest problem you have is that you're struggling to be consistent with him, then I would encourage you to do two things. One would be to reach out to the mom, not you, but your, your boyfriend because he's the biological parent. That's a big thing is most of the communication about the kids needs to start with the biological parents. Mm. Because think about it from their standpoint. If, if my kid's stepdad calls me and says, Hey, listen, you need to fix your kid. (laughs) That's not going to go over well. So don't be that guy. Right? So I said, have your boyfriend reach out to his ex and just ask her if they could have a conversation. And in that conversation, what they need to talk about is one consistency with the, with the son. And I don't mean they have to do everything the same. What I mean is consistency of values. Mm. We, we want our son to be respectful. We want our son to be obedient because if we can agree on those things and then whatever other values you want, we can parent that way. Mm. Right now, we don't have any agreement on what we want our kid to be. And that's a problem. And the other one I said is ask if you can discuss maybe a different schedule. Because two days, three days, two days, three days, yeah. that's hard on everybody. Mm. Ask if you can do it for a week or ask if you can do it for two weeks, because then you have more time with him in order to help do things consistent at your house and you have more time where there's not his chaos added to your house. Yeah. Just look at changing the schedule. And so I checked in with her about a week later and she said, "Yeah, things are going a lot better. Thank you. This has been a big help. We are working on the schedule and we're talking with her about trying to get, you know, more consistent and and again, it's just those are things that a lot of people that are in the middle of it have a hard time looking at objectively. Mm. So it's, again, it, I, I don't think I'm like a magic eight ball. I don't think I'm some guru who has a lot of knowledge. Other people don't. What I am is a guy who's been through it, who can be a relatively objective third party observer and try to maybe point out some things that might be helpful that you probably could have come up with on your own, but weren't going to because you got all this other stuff going on. Yeah. That makes sense. That's kind of how I view my role.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, people like that they get stuck in 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 the mud literally, and they can't mm-hmm. see out so yeah. wow that yes. the simple changes can make such mm-hmm. big difference,
1: yeah, and that's exactly it it's It doesn't have to be life alteringly gigantic move across the country, switch jobs. Mm. It might be that, mm. but probably not. probably let's start with the little things and go from there,
2: yeah. So uh, what would you say has been the biggest challenge for you in what you do and how did you overcome it?
1: That's a really good question. I would say that my biggest challenge has been getting people to trust me mm. in terms of speaking to their blended family issues and complexity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason for that is um, – kind of complicated but the short version of it is uh one people don't like to admit when they need help we get defensive Mm -hmm. so i can't really i can't really go to someone that i see is having problems and say hey let me come and help you because i know how to fix it nobody likes that guy i wouldn't like that guy either nobody likes to have someone come up to you and go what you're doing is wrong stop that yeah nobody i get so the first the biggest issue is just getting people to trust me Mm -hmm. and be willing to reach out to me. And the way that I've tried to overcome that is doing a lot of this, which is sharing my story and sharing a lot of my mistakes and then reaching out to people, whether it's on social media or via podcasts or you know, like I said with the first example that I gave where someone who knows me and my work will say to someone else they know, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to listen to this guy and you need to listen to this interview or whatever it may be. That's actually how I've gotten most of my coaching clients is someone will say to me, Hey, listen, I've got a family member. I've got a buddy. I've got a friend. I know this guy. Can I put them in touch with you? Mm. 100% of the time, yes. Put them in touch with me. I'll be glad to listen. And if I can help, I'll be glad to help. If I can't help, I'll be glad to point them to someone who can.
2: Awesome. I just wish there were more people like you around. Yeah. I don't think my
1: ninth graders feel that way, but thank uh, you for that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so um, what are your future plans um, in, in paying it forward and helping people in blended families and and through courageous humility and, and expanding mm-hmm. your mission?
1: So my goal for 2020, my goal for the future is to continue uh, pursuing the opportunities that are out there in terms of speaking at conferences and colleges and things like that, and really trying to get my message out to people. I'm actually working on another book right now. I'm working on a book about blended family life Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to have a rough draft done um, probably over Christmas break because I do a lot of writing on my school breaks when I have more time. (laughs) Um, And what I did with my first book, I'll probably do a lot of the same with my second and that is um, I'll get it done and then publish it. But for a lot of people who want it, um, especially for people who prefer e-readers, if anybody contacts me, I'll just send you a PDF of it. I don't Mm. mind. I'm not worried about trying to make money off the book. So my leadership book that I wrote, I think I've given away a lot more copies than I sold Yeah, because I just I want people to have it. I'm not worried about trying to become a millionaire off selling it. If it will help you, I'll give it to you. Mm.
0: That's,
1: that's fine with me. And so um, I, I love doing that because again, it, if it makes a difference in somebody's life, That's the key. Mm. That's, that's what, that's what helping people means. It doesn't mean trying to profit off them. Like again, and I'm, I'm a capitalist. I'm not, I'm not saying profits bad, Mm. but I'm saying if you need help and you can't afford it, okay, good. Well, I'll be glad to at least give you the book and talk with you a little bit and see if I can help you. Mm. That's good. Let's do that. Um, And so again, I'm looking to a lot more speaking, looking to a lot more writing, looking to a lot more coaching. And uh, again, the other part of it is if I'm not the person that can help you, I have zero problem trying to put you in touch with someone that can help you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just going to try to sell you my thing. If I'm not the guy, if, if for whatever reason we don't mesh, if, if we don't, you know, fit well together, whatever it is, that's okay. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I will gladly point you to other people I know who are doing this work, who may be able to help you more than I could. That is mm-hmm. so fine with me because my goal is for your family to move forward. Mm-hmm. If I'm not the one that can help you, that's okay.
2: Well, joel, I, I, I think you're a karma millionaire um, uh, you know <laughs> with what you do. so <laughs> you are going to be set. So, um, how can people support the greater good and get involved in what you do?
1: Well, I appreciate that. Um, I would say that uh, a couple things. One is just be you know be compassionate. You know, re- reach out to people who are who are hurting and, and try to help them. Um, and if uh, if there are people that uh, some of your audience that that want or listeners that want to get in touch with me, I would love to chat with them as well. Uh, you know, you can find me on social media or come to my website or whatever, and um, send me an email, send me a text, send me a tweet, whatever it may be. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram or not Instagram, I'm sorry, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, you can find my website at reallifeleading.com Find my other website at stepdadding.com. Uh, there's Facebook groups for each of those. Uh, Again, I would love to, I would love to chat with anybody who's got questions. I would love to point them in the direction of some help, uh, or I'd love to be put in touch with people who have issues that I might be able to help them with.
2: Wow. You're amazing. Um, So I've got to ask you this question though. What is the change that you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
1: Uh, this sound, uh, are you familiar with uh, an old Sandra Bullock movie called Miss Congeniality? Yes. Okay, so my wife loves that movie, and, and it's about, for those of you that, that haven't seen it, you're missing out, it's a comedy about a an FBI agent who goes undercover at a beauty pageant. And they're doing the scenes in the beauty pageant lady. They're always asking, what do you, you know, what's, what's your greatest goal? And everyone says world peace, blah, 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 mm. blah and world peace, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. So I feel a little bit like world peace is kind of my, <laughs> here's the thing. What I want to see, what I honest to goodness would like is world kindness. Mm. I would like to see people be kinder to each other. I live in the United States and I'm not sure how much you guys see where you are about U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. It's been real ugly mm-hmm. for a number of years. And, and I don't care which side you come down on. Both sides have been ugly. Both sides have been harsh. Both sides have been mean-spirited. I would like to see that change, not just in politics. I'd like to see that change in society. And Mm. the way that starts is with individuals. Yes. We need to get off the social media and outside of the, again, I I like social media. Please connect with me on it if you want to. But if that's where you spend most of your time, you're living in an echo chamber of people who think like you do, and then you can't believe when anybody disagrees with you. That's Mm. not real life. Put your phone down, go outside, talk with your neighbor who's different than you. Mm. Go to the grocery store, talk with your friends who are different than you. Go to a local sporting event, talk with fans who cheer for a different team than you do. And be kind when you do it. That's all you got to do. That's it. Be kind to people. If you do those things, world will be a better place. Make your little pocket of the world better.
2: Amen. Wow. I'm so glad you said that, Joel, because that is another thing that's been coming up through this podcast and also with my clients mm-hmm. at Ethical Change Agency is kindness. And and really, mm-hmm. it's at the root of everything we need to heal
1: in the world. Absolutely. And yeah. yes. We ought to be able to disagree respectfully. We ought to be able to disagree uh, kindly. Mm. And if we can't do that, the problem is with us. And man, what kind of example are we setting for people, you know, like the age of the kids I teach? I've got a. Uh, I, I've also got a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old daughter. If I expect them to be kind, I need to be kind. Absolutely.
2: Now, your books, you've got mm-hmm. 10 Things Dad Taught to Me Without Saying Anything, mm-hmm. which is an e-book. Yep. Is that right?
1: That is correct. Yep.
2: And yep. people can get that on your website?
1: Uh, you can. You can, Well, you can find it on Amazon. I think it's like a dollar for the the download. Okay. Or you can just email me and I'll send you the PDF for free. It's the same thing. Okay. Okay. Um, and that was, yeah, that was one that I, it actually started as a devotional I gave at a small Christian school I was teaching at over a decade ago. Um, it's based on my dad's life. Uh, and then I expanded it into, it's a book that's kind of part biography about dad, part leadership principles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and again, it's just, I love it because it reminds me of dad.
2: No. Is, is your dad still with you?
1: No, he passed away um, 11 and a half years ago. Right. So wow. it's, it's been a while. But uh, part of the reason I wrote that too was so my kids could get to know my dad a little bit yeah. better because they were very young when he passed away. And my dad was my hero. And yeah. so I would love for them to get to know him vicariously through that.
2: Oh, that's lovely. Um, Any other one? Inverted leadership. Lead others mm-hmm. better by forgetting about yourself. So that's coming back to that courageous humility.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, uh, again, you can find that one. uh, I think there's a link to it on my website. I know it's on Amazon as well. Again, if there's people who like the e-version, good. Email me. I'll send you a free PDF. It's not going to hurt my feelings for you to have it. Have the book, read it. Um, I'm actually, the other thing I'm thinking about doing is combining those two together and making it available in a one volume paperback. Awesome. Um, because I would love to see the ebook about my dad. I'd love to see that in print.
2: Yeah, and I think
1: uh, I think that there's other people that might enjoy that as well. I'm I'm old fashioned. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah, I like ebooks. Okay, yeah. I've got a Kindle because my mom bought me one. <laughs> I much prefer Pages and a pen. That's so good, aren't they? Yeah, so they really are. So, but yeah, thank you for asking about those. I'm uh, I'm excited about them. I've been uh, I've loved the encouraging feedback I've gotten from people that have read those books. And um, so, yeah, if people are interested in them, let me know. I'll be glad to send them to you.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much, Joel. You are an incredible man and um, we love what you do. So continue on your mission and uh, we're going to keep an
1: eye on you and, and share your stuff. Thank you, Benny. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it's been, I, I love talking about this. I, I enjoy getting to have these conversations. Thank you very much. Um, if there's ever any opportunities for me to come to where you are, let me know. I would love to, uh, I would love to travel the world and share this message as well. It's oh. nice to be able to do it with technology, Absolutely. Uh, but I'd love to do it in person as well.
2: Oh, you'll have to come down under.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Uh, my dad actually spoke very highly uh, of australia he uh, he got to travel there when he was in the military and said it's just some of the most beautiful country he's ever seen
2: it is indeed thanks so much joel
1: Yep, thank you very much you guys have a good one
2: thanks for listening to the ethical evolution podcast if you're an ethical business owner change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate